0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Giel Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Giel Asselin.
2: Good afternoon everyone or good evening. This is Jill. Welcome or welcome back. I'm glad to have you here on the show and also if you're listening uh, on demand, thank you very much. Uh, this is a new week, uh, still in uh, Washington State, no change. We've been here not so long ago, so not for a very long time. so. Uh, I wanted to talk about this week about this idea of uh, putting together the pieces of a puzzle. Uh, in this case, and it's something that I briefly alluded to last week, um, putting together the pieces of uh, the puzzle, the personal pieces of, of our lives. And um, what does it mean? You know, I think it's a very um, interesting topic um, just to find out what it means. And um, Again, I was talking about that, and suddenly, right after the show, I thought, wow, this is a, this is a beautiful metaphor, and I could suddenly build on that, and, and obviously, I was thinking about my own life, and uh, all that has happened for the past uh, you know, 15 and so years, and it seems like, I think I mentioned that, but um, life has uh, sped it up a little bit since the beginning of the year especially in terms of making connections with people. People who crossed my path um, quite some time ago, some of them, I guess. And a lot of them, um, I happened to cross their paths on on Facebook and some of them on other locations or different places. But um, it's it's amazing how things happen. Uh, This connection and um, these connections, And how you, you know, suddenly out of the, out of the woods, you turn around and you meet someone that you have, you know, really something deep in common. And uh, I've been pretty, uh, pretty amazed. And it's, um, the nice thing is that it keeps happening. So (laughs) it's good. And not so long ago, maybe a week ago, I connected um, with uh, a woman uh, on the West Coast of the US as well. And... um, I had a very good feeling about her. I don't know, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's something that you feel deep within. You can't really explain, I guess. It, it's bigger than you, you. It's bigger, certainly bigger than your mind. You know, I talked about emotions and thoughts. And, and I felt connected to this person. Uh, we exchanged a couple um, messages, just, you know, um, greetings and, and welcome and things like this. And then what happened? She listened to last week's show. And she was, you know, really into it, and she was grateful for listening um, and for getting some, I guess, inspiration. So I'm going to read what uh, what she wrote me, but I thought it was very, um, again, very synchronistic, very timely, you know, with my uh, my um, desire to talk about the pieces of the puzzle this week, and to have someone, in a sense, confirm that, uh, that hunch, you know, that idea that came to me, um, from within, from the spelunking area. So she said to me, she wrote to me, she said, Dearest Jill, I recently listened to to your radio show, Week of Connection. It was uh, one week without connection. It really resonated with me. I'm learning to honor myself and cherish my soul. Sometimes it's hard to know which path to take. I loved it when you talked about the puzzle pieces. In meditation last night, I saw thousands of puzzle pieces that fit perfectly together. Synchronicity, I believe, yes. And um, again, it's a small sign from the universe coming from another human being. But I think these signs are very very important. They are like little pebbles on the path. And I think those signs um, help you to put the pieces together. And sometimes I don't know exactly what I share with this person. Again, I had a very good feeling about her. Uh, and yet, so far, we haven't discovered anything that we have in common. They're going back to, you know, way back, I mean, I don't know, thousand years ago or 2,000 years ago. Who knows? And, um, you know, something like, a lot of things happening like this. And obviously, I, I put my Spelunkers hat on and I'm wondering, you know, what is it that, that is going on? You know, where is this going to lead me? Um, and, and the first idea in relation to that, the first idea I had about the puzzle, it's, it's a good idea, I think, to assemble the pieces. But the question is, how many pieces do we have? And which ones, you know, fit with one another or not? And... um at least in my case, I don't have a global view of my life. I'm talking about my spiritual life, my eternal life. And so I can go back based mostly on what I learned from other people and a tiny bit of what I learned from within doing meditation. And it seems that um, all of this fits. And I have, you know, I would say landmarks in my lives that I can relate to. But... um But besides that, I think it's very difficult. One of the lives, um, my name was Caleb. It's spelled C-A-L-E-B. And uh, it was at the time uh, when uh, Jesus walked the earth. Uh, I think it was a very interesting time. And I was apparently very, very close to him. I don't know exactly how close I was, but uh, I was living in uh, what would be considered today's uh, Palestine, and I assume I was one of his disciples. I understand he had about 120 disciples in addition to the apostles. And he was Jesus, Master Jesus was teaching. So I, I, I've i had um, that connection, which is pretty vibrant. Uh, it's not like I have a direct uh, connection with... Um, Lord Sananda—that's his uh, spiritual name—but uh, still, I have—I know—I have at I know I uh, different points in my life, in my spiritual life, I connected with him. I think I had a life also in in um, in Egypt where he taught me how to write. I was a scribe, and he was a scribe. He was a master scribe, and he taught me how to write. And. Um, I'm saying this because it's the kind of connections, again, uh, spiritual connections dating back to a very old time that I'm seeking these days. And these have been, I know, these have been coming in, in droves uh, since the beginning of the year. And a lot of them also have to do with, um, with my identity as uh, Raymond de Perey, um, uh, a lord of Monsegur, uh, a Cathar. And I think I was born towards maybe 1185 or 1190. And I was there in monsegur during the siege, uh, the siege by the, um, by the armies of the king and the armies of the pope, which led to the, um, the fall of monsegur in, in March of 1244. And then um, those perfecti, or those supposedly pure souls, perfect people uh, dying on the pyre, some maybe 225 of them, and uh, it's a part of my life. It's it's interesting because it's a French part of my life, and yet I've never been to that part of France, which is um, it's south of Carcassonne and, and Toulouse. Um, so it's really in the south, and very close to the Pyrenees, not very far from Spain. And I've never been to that part of France, and I, I don't know. I've tried to figure things out. I mean, I've been to quite a few places in France with my parents, especially during the first uh, 17 or 18 years of my life. And yet, never been to a place like Carcassonne. I've been in Toulouse once um, when I was 14 for just a day, but I've never been to the Cathar land. You know, it's about 120 kilometers southeast of uh, Toulouse. And um, I'm planning to correct that uh, error, in a sense, in this life. But uh, I'm sure you have places like this that make you tick, in a sense. And, and even though you've never been there, uh, there's something in those places that call you. Um, I've never been in this life also to Palestine. Uh, a place like uh, Haifa in Israel, in northern Israel, also the place that calls to me. Uh, at the time of Jesus, there was a, Jesus, there was a... A convent, a temple called Mount Carmel. And there was an Essene, uh, Essene community living out there with uh, priests and, and nuns and um, some lay people as well, some non priests lay people as well. And I also feel a connection, a very deep connection to that place, except uh, there's no longer Essenes around, at least in, in high numbers. And uh, that's part of my um, of my search, you know, to find out uh, what about these places. Why do they call me? Um, why do I feel connected to those places? Obviously, there's a reason. There's a reason which is beyond the uh, the physical life that I may have lived. I uh, may have lived there. Uh, there. There's something else which is, I would say, part of my DNA or part of my blood, and something I need to explore. And this is what I mean by, by assembling or researching, you know, I think it it depends how you look at it, but um, researching the different parts in the first place, the different parts of the puzzle. Um, with my linear mind, I tend to go back in time, obviously, you know, I tend to be um, chronological. Uh, but there's different ways to approach the process as well, uh, in terms of what you feel about a place and what you, how you f- Know, how these information connect uh, within you, and um, that's the kind of um, of inner search I've been doing, and it's the kind of thing I wanted to talk about today. Putting together the pieces of our life, uh, and, and the question is is for what purpose? You know, it's a big question, and that one is um, is fairly clear. I think there's something that awaits me. Um, that's a I would think also, I would hope, I would trust that if you're listening to the show, there's something that awaits you. you know, if you're called to go within, if there's a desire to explore the cave, the cave of the heart, the cave of your inner being, I would think that um, consciously or not, you know, there, there's a reason that makes you go within makes you enter the cave when you're on the outer surface and uh, make you explore. Um, it's a calling. I don't know how strong the calling can be. I think it's, I, I call that as well, uh, spiritual curiosity. And I think it's important to to nurture that curiosity because... Um, in my case, for sure, the more I know, the more I learn, the more I want to know. I mentioned not so long ago, in about two shows or three shows ago, uh, ago with um, Judy Kuzel, Judith Kuzel, uh, this place in Rennes-le-Château, which is also very much connected. You know, I'm, I'm putting some pieces together here live. It is connected with um, the Cathars. Uh, Even though the mysteries date back from the 19th, um, the biggest mystery dates back from the 19th century. And it's also connected to Marie Magdalene and, you know, Master Jesus as well. And um, this place, Rennes-le-Château, has a a special, um, I wouldn't call it veneration, but uh, not worship, but I guess it's, it's a place where Marie Magdalene is honored, and possibly worshipped, it depends why people come, but there's a chapel uh, built in a name. There's also a house um, um, built, I believe, by the Abbé Saunier in late 19th century uh, when he got all that money. We don't know where from, but when he got all that money, he built a house and he called the the house uh, Bethany, B T H A N Y. And that's the the place where uh, Marie Magdalene came from. She was the um, younger sister of Lazarus, if I'm not mistaken. And Lazarus was the the man that um, Jesus, Master Jesus, uh, woke up from the dead after, I think, three days of of traveling somewhere. At least he wasn't part of the conscious world anymore. So... uh, it's, uh, yeah, I see a lot of threads. And um, if you do the same with your life, with your lives, I'm sure you could, um, you could get there as well. You know, it's, it's a spelunking thing. You go there, it seems dark. Then you turn on the light on top of your helmet and you start seeing a few things and it's a few you know, threads, indications about what to look for, uh, how to connect Maybe there's a point of connection. And uh, to me, it seems that Rennes-le-Château bears a lot of uh, mystery in terms of connecting uh, possibly the Essenes already, you know, at the time right before Christ. And uh, the Cathars. And um, later on, the Abbé Saunier, the priest. uh, And maybe some other um, mysteries that I'm very vaguely aware, you know, there's a lot of clouds and and cloudy information around around this Rennes-le-Château, and uh, I understand that many people, especially some priests, uh, lost their lives because of that, because of the so-called secret, and obviously because of what they knew. Um, There's a guy called the Abbe, Abbe means priest in in French, and his last name is Gelis, G-E-L-I-S, and I read in a book not so long ago that this guy lost his life. He was um he was brutally murdered in, in his church. Um I can't remember when. I would have to go back to the book. And they never found out why. Obviously, it was you know somewhat connected to the rennes Le Chateau mystery. But it's um it's something I sense, you know, like it's part of my investigation, but I, I sense that there's Possibly some interesting information around, around this person and the reason why he was murdered or what he knew. And um, at this point, I'm not able to, I don't have the time to do much more research. I mean, later on this, uh, this fall, yes, uh, we're still in the summer, so um, technically speaking in the North Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere. But it's, it's a kind of, of things, you know. I, I'm sure you have that impression as well. You read a book and the book makes an impression on you. Or you read a post, and the post really calls you. I mean, some information there, you know, your posts that are very wonderful, but just they don't, they don't, you, don't you don't get hooked to them. And, um, you know, if the information makes sense, if the information hooks you, uh, it means there's something there for you. And it may mean that, you know, if it's a place, it's a place you may have visited uh, a long time ago. Um, and it's something I would I would personally investigate. You know, le Chateau. I'm planning to go there um, whenever I can, and uh, and see what's out there for myself. Um, I've read some of the research done by historians, so it's really um, it's really factual research, and it's not quite my way of um, looking at the world. I then I read what I read, and I I take it as at face value. I value it. At the same time, I'm also counting on my spiritual guides and what I sense and what I, what I absorb, you know, from a place. So when I go to Rennes-le-Château, hopefully later this year, I'm planning to sit out there, uh, I don't know where, possibly in the chapel, in Marie Magdalene Chapel, and uh, get a sense of what's going on. So uh, it's my way of doing research. It's my way of, of trying to assemble uh, more pieces uh, of the puzzle. And I know there's many ways, and I think it's, it depends on, on your goal in the first place. It depends on where you live, what you want to do. And I guess that's, um, I'm not going to give any kind of, of uh, advice in here. I think what is important is to, to, follow, uh, to follow your path, to follow your desire, to follow what comes from within your life. Um, you know, there's a calling for something, and I'm thinking about a friend who just uh, had to make a a difficult decision uh, about his future, and I will uh, I will say a few words about, about this in the, in the next segment. So thank you very much for listening. I will talk to you soon.
0: surprise you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live, wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to one 472 5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program.
2: Hello again, this is Jill. Welcome back. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in all of us. It's nice to have you here. so right before the break, I was talking about um, the way I do research, the way I tend to assemble um, pieces of my puzzle or my life puzzle. And again, there's obviously pieces I don't know of, and I have to either to envision things and you know do some research or take some action or. I have to, I would say, call the universe to to assistance. And that's what I do sometimes when I think something is very very meaningful or when I have to make an important decision. And last week also, very interestingly, there was a friend of mine. uh, He lives in Southern Europe, but for a very mystical reason also. He used to live in, in Seattle for quite a long time, at least 10 to 15 years. And he he contacted me, I I believe he's uh, listened to the show once or twice, and he he was about to make an important decision about his professional future, and uh, the dilemma, the challenge for him was either to stay where he was based in southern Europe, um, or go back home to a country not far from where he was, but... I can't imagine what it means, you know, the the idea of going back home after living such a long time abroad, the U.S. and Southern Europe. Um, I could try to picture myself going back home to France, and I think it's uh, psychologically and and spiritually speaking, it's a, I wouldn't say it would be a difficult move, but it's, it's like different ways to, to look at it. Could be a feeling of going backwards and going back to the friends that you've seen you know, 25, 30 years ago and they've been there all their lives and you have traveled quite a bit and you're, you're a very different human being and, and, they come, and you come back to where they have lived and your parents, your family is the same. So it's, um, I would think there would be some cultural dissonance, yes, dissonance there in my case, at least. And so I could really understand where his dilemma was. Um, His situation was pretty, um, like, um, we say in French, you have your rear between two chairs. It's like between a rock and a hard place in English. And, you know, either you keep your rear on one chair or you move your rear to the other chair. And um, what I asked him, you know, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't tell him what to do. It's not my role. It's not me to, what I wanted him to to pull out in a sense is to listen to his inner wisdom. And I think he was receptive to the message. And uh, I said, you know, ask questions to the universe. And uh, whatever questions. And uh, he sent me a response yesterday and he sent me the list of questions. I don't even have those questions in mind anymore because they are his questions. And and what really matters is that, again, you ask the universe or whoever the source, God, or whoever you're talking to or whoever you're opening up to, I guess, you ask those questions and, and you see what happens. In his case, yeah. If he decides to stay where he is, I mean, uh, or if he decides to go to the other, to back home, he has to make a decision within within ten days, and so obviously there's not much, not much time. But um, I think the process of opening up matters much more than the immediate response. And, and my thought about this is that most of the time you don't even get an immediate response, and you do something, and you don't even know if it's the best. I'm very uh, overgeneralizing, but it's, it's what I think about asking the universe you know, about, about your future. And you ask the universe and, and nothing may happen in, in the immediate future again, but eventually maybe it could be a month, two months, a year, two years down the road, you start to reflect and you realize that even though you thought you were not making the right decision at the time, the universe was guiding you and you've been doing you know, the right thing for your life. And in this case, you know, if he goes home, I don't know. But if he goes home, he may not like it in the first place. But who knows what can happen? He has a, a job landed at the university. I guess it's maybe not the perfect job. But who knows what can open up out of this opportunity? Uh, it's a question in the first place of being there and opening the door. And I think that's how life slash the universe works. Um, obviously, we have to decide something and, and take action if action is needed. In this case, he could have stayed where he where is, or he could stay where he is, I don't know. But um, sometimes we just need to have faith, faith in the universe, and faith in the guiding power uh, of the universe or what surrounds us. Uh, The same person um, was uh, emailing me about last week's show and and the pieces of the puzzle, you know, she she asked me a question, do you believe in, in, you know, um, an entity out there or something that is guiding us, guiding the world, the universe? And I I say, yes, I do, but I try not to, not to investigate it. I don't want to call it God, even though it may be God for many people. I, I don't have any issue with God, I prefer to call it the universe because it feels possibly more personal. God also is, you know, for many people, it's uh, anthropomorphic, means uh, it's a person. When the, the the entity I have in mind is something that pervades us and everything around us out there in the universe. So it, it doesn't have to be uh, a person's name. I think it's, uh, if you use a person's name, you can never find a neutral person's name. So I guess, um, I guess it's very challenging, I guess, because then you tend to go back to the person and ask that person things. And maybe that's fine for some people. In my case, as I just explained, I think it's a, more of a question of opening up, opening up my life, seeding the, the soil, and seeing what happens. And um, I've been doing this. You know, I'm talking about um, lodging. And um, the results haven't materialized yet. Possibly the end result. But again, in our case, in our family's case, we don't know where the future holds. Like, same for everyone, but uh, we don't know where we're going to be next year. We may move again locally uh, within a year. And um, we don't know where we're going to be. We're going to be in a house, in a townhouse. Uh, it's hard to know, but again again, I think the, the issue of trusting, the issue of, of spiritual confidence, uh, you know, the belief that something is at work in your best interest, it's not always easy to, to uphold that belief, and to be uh, faithful and confident that things will go well will work well. But um, this is what I would um, advise people. Again, my role as I see myself when people come to me for advice is to listen. To listen and and, um, send them back to their inner wisdom, to their intuition. My friend in Southern Europe used that word intuition. And I think that's what uh, attracted him to to ask me that question because he could see myself as not not too linear in a sense in the way that I approach life. It's not not too logical, not too French in many ways. Uh, Trying to think out of the box the way we express, um, we use that expression here in the US, um, which is, I think it's a very cultural thing. But um, that's what I wanted to share. And at the same time, um, in relation to this, you know, putting together the the pieces of our puzzle, um, I said a few minutes ago that um, it's a question of, you know, what is our goal in life? Where do we see ourselves going? Not so much physically speaking, not so much materially speaking, but spiritually speaking, you know, and here I'm talking, I'm alluding to the concept of our mission, why are we here on Earth? You know um I don't think any of us is born here on this planet just by accident. Some people may not wake up, and it's not I'm not talking about a real awakening uh, like the Buddha or anyone else, but you know the search for the reason for our presence on Earth with so many things happening these days for the past at least the past twenty years on a spiritual and, and planetary level, so many changes, and, and so many you know, good things happening. I see the sky clearing up here, and it's, there's a few clouds, but they are very white. So no sign of rain today. And it's the way I see the universe, planet Earth, going. It's taking a long time. There's still a lot of wars and famines and, and, and strife. And, but I think we're going the right way. You know, we're being uh, supported by some sort of spiritual powers. And I wanted to share um, a poem that I received this morning. I subscribed to a, a list of uh, poetry. And it's interesting, it, it caught my attention because of the last sentence, which has to do with our sense of mission. That's the reason why. But when I started reading the poem, it felt very sad, very, you know, it's like it's our faith to suffer. Uh, that's the feeling I got. And it's a poem written by a person called Shu Ting, S-H-U, and then space, T-I-N-G. I could tell the person was Chinese, but I couldn't even tell that um, if it was a man or a woman. It happens to be a woman, and a, a very famous uh, Chinese poet. And I'm gonna read a bit of a bio. I checked her bio this morning, and um, I thought it was quite interesting um, because of what she went through. It's to give you a little bit of background. She was born in 1952 in, in Fujian. I think it's right across Taiwan. And Shooting is the pen name of Gong Pei Yu, a Chinese poet associated with the Misty Poets, if you're into poetry. And during the Cultural Revolution, she was sent to the countryside because her father was accused of ideological nonconformity. And she was there until 1973. Back in her hometown, she had to work at a cement, uh, cement factory, a textile mill, and a light bulb factory. She began to write poetry in 1969, and her work was published in several literary magazines. Her poetry began to appear in the underground literary magazine Jin Qian, which means today in Chinese. In the early 1980s, she achieved prominence as the leading female representative of the Misty Poets. Her first collection, Shang Wei Xuan, appeared in 1982, as did a joint collection with Gu Cheng. So she's pretty, uh, quite an accomplished uh, person. And the poet she wrote, the poet I received this morning, is called uh, Perhaps. And just the title, I think, was very um, very interesting, very, you know, perhaps is, to me, it feels a bit like, a, a bit hesitant, you know. Perhaps, it's like, um, this is a world I want to explore, and um, I like the poem very much, in which respect, I think I, I read it three or four times already, uh, because again, because of the last sentence that got my attention that hooked me. you know again, I was talking about these oaks uh, earlier on, and during the first segment, it's something that you know that gets um what's the word that I want to find that gets you know it, it dives into you. And there's an effect. Maybe it's a ripple effect, and it goes into the within the water, and it comes back to the surface with a ripple. So I'm going to read the poem before for the break, and it says, uh, "Perhaps, perhaps these thoughts of ours will never find an audience. Perhaps the mistaken road will end in a mistake. Perhaps the lamps will light one at a time." Will be blown out one at a time. Perhaps the candles of our lives will gutter out without lighting a fire to warm us. Perhaps when all the tears have been shed, the earth will be more fertile. Perhaps when we sing praises to the sun, the sun will praise us in return. Perhaps these heavy burdens will strengthen our philosophy. Perhaps when we weep for those in misery, we must be silent about miseries of our own. Perhaps because of our irresistible sense of mission, we have no choice. Thank you very much.
0: The bottom line in business talk. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for legendary leaders answering the higher calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1 472 5795. That's 1 472 5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program.
2: Hello again, this is Giel. Welcome back. Thank you very much for for listening. I was reading before the break, I was reading this uh, exquisite poem from uh, Shu Ting. And again, this last um, sentence that really um, really caught my attention, really, it was like the glue in a sense that I could feel for what she wrote. Perhaps Because of our irresistible sense of mission, we have no choice. And it's, you know, when I look back and when I read back, the poem is in front of me on my computer. It feels like she's using some very heavy, you know, language in a sense that I could sense right from the beginning the burdens that she went through, and I'm glad I was able to read her bio online. Um, You know, perhaps the mistaken road will end in a mistake, and we will die. Perhaps the lamps we light one at a time will be blown out one at a time. Perhaps the candles of our lives will gutter out without lighting a fire to warm us. So so I think there's a good sense, and maybe that's because of what she went through during the Cultural Revolution, I could sense that there's a big dark cloud out there there was a big dark cloud out there in our life and she went through it so she knows she knows what darkness is all about and um and she says later on perhaps these heavy burdens will strengthen our philosophy yes but I think the first thought that comes to mind is you know I can you still remain hopeful despite those heavy burdens. I think I'm glad that she's able to write and she finds the inspiration and the wisdom to write and enlighten other people's lives. But um, I can tell it hasn't been easy. Especially when um, the last sentence before the end, perhaps when we weep for those in misery, we must be silent about miseries of our own. And I I know quite a few people. I mean, one of them comes to mind, and he's Chinese. He's very close to me and my wife. And he has a clear sense of, you know, sacrifice. He didn't go through the Cultural Revolution, but still, uh, a sense of um, sacrificing oneself for others, especially primarily from one's family, which is a very, I think it's a very genuine, a very beautiful thing, but what comes to mind, you know, what is left of our ourselves, you know, and that gets back to this idea on this question of loving ourselves, you know. I think it's fine to sacrifice ourselves, but not at the expense of loving ourselves. I think there's the material in a sense, and there's the spiritual, and the spiritual, our own spiritual should come first all the time if we are not strong enough if we are not hopeful enough you know how can we inspire others and, and in one sense sacrifice ourselves you know in a sense in a sense of giving time to others giving whatever listening to them i guess it's a it's a question of of and i mentioned that quite a, in quite a few shows uh, early on in february or march you know the the idea of of loving ourselves and and, and Making sure that we we don't destroy ourselves by nurturing those negative thoughts that say that we are not worth this, we are not worth that. I mean, it's it's also a very common uh, song here in my life. It's been. I mean, not not maybe not anymore, but um, that's the thought that came to mind. You know, this idea of self love and self esteem when I'm thinking about the person I know uh, who has a strong sense of sacrifice. Uh, the counterpart of it is is pretty low self-esteem, and and at the expense of you know something else. I mean, someone is paying the cost. That's what I mean. And um, really, I think it's really important to to nurture and to to spend the time taking care of ourselves, you know, uh, whatever this means. I mean, it, there's myriads, there's millions, zillions of ways to take care of ourselves. It doesn't mean we are selfish. It means we nurture and we we, we attend to our garden and to what needs to be attended to. And um, again, it's very important, it's a notion that... Uh, that's what I'm here for when I talk about spelunking. You know, spelunking is going within and examining things that happen in our lives, in our mind, in our soul. And we have to weed those, those weeds. We have to get them out as well. And, and sometimes it's just a, a question of self-esteem or it's a question of self-loathing. Uh, there's so many things that can happen. I'm not going to spend much more time there, but it's, uh, In retrospect, you know, I realize how key, our important self-awareness is. And sometimes, you know, people around us are are able to send back a message, which is very useful, valuable, providing we can hear and read the message. Um, I've talked quite a bit about my mother. uh, And it seems that, you know, she's been living all her life in her own world, in her own, the way she was molded by her own, Family and especially your mother, um, has shared a special, you know, a special. I would almost call it a cast, you know, a physical, um, a psychological cast. You know, when you you living into your own world, which is what it is, but uh, you can't see what happens outside. And even though sometimes you're getting feedback from other people you can't see the value of that feedback and you can't integrate that feedback into your life and and trying to improve whatever needs to improve, providing there's uh, something that needs to be improved. And that's what I'm saying, you know, again, in the context of doing spiritual spelunking, it's very important to go within, to reflect. And sometimes we have to reflect alone and sometimes we have to reflect with the help of other people. And sometimes we have to... um, to read a beautiful poem like uh, like shoot things to realize things and in, in my perspective to see the veil I mean there's a very much a veil of of fatalism a veil of sadness for this poem and especially you know the last sentence I wanted to say a few more words about it perhaps because of our irresistible sense of mission we have no choice. It's like in this case you are forced to do it. You are forced to walk in the path. And it's not the way I look at it. It's the path is there to be investigated, to be explored. It's not like if we say we have no choice, it's like we are again forced to do it. It becomes an obligation. And it's not the way I conceive of the path. I conceive of the path freely because I realize that my mission, my sense of mission is important for humanity. It's important for me to be talking to you today, and it may be important for you as well to do whatever you have to do, because the world will become a better place because of that, because of our tiny acts of whatever, wisdom, kindness, uh, gentleness, it's how we plan the field. You know, I was, I was saying that I could see the planet moving forward in a, in a, in a good direction, in a, in a beneficial um, trend, in a sense. And it's because of all the work we do within ourselves in the first place, but also helping others do the same or helping others make progress in their lives. And... Um, So I'm still a bit, um, as you can tell, a bit puzzled by this. Uh, We have no choice. Yes, we do have a choice, and the choice, if we don't pursue our mission in this life, I believe we will have some sort of regrets um, the day we transition, the day we leave Earth and go back to some other place. Um, But we have no choice. Again, it's not the way I would present... um, information. So this is what I wanted to share with you, this beautiful poem from Shu uh, from Ting um, that made me reflect on how I conceive of my mission. And it's really what I see in front of me. And that's the reason I want to talk about the pieces of the puzzle today. Is because... Um, you know, there's a purpose in putting those pieces together. There's a, there's a plan in a sense. There's maybe a, a universal spiritual plan that is taking us somewhere. And um, I was reflecting, it's interesting, I was reflecting on, uh, not so long ago, the idea came of uh, assembling the pieces of the puzzle and at the same time, assembling the furniture that I bought, uh, well, that we bought two weeks ago at Ikea. And I've been struggling so much with this Ikea furniture. It's unbelievable. And sometimes it's because of um, poor instructions, poor directions, and sometimes it's also because of poor customer service or possibly defect. But... um I tried to, I attempted to assemble a, a drawer chest, a chest yeah. Last Saturday, I must have spent three or four hours, and in the end, they were uh, the last drawer wouldn't fit in. It wouldn't slide into the, the guiding rail, the railings. And uh, I've tried again the day two days ago, and it wouldn't work again. I inverted two panels to see if it could do anything, and it didn't. So eventually, eventually, you know, I ret- we decided to return the, the furniture yesterday. And I, I felt two days ago after I decided to do that, such a sense of relief. Uh, I have spent so much time um, trying to make you know, efforts on, on, on this to no avail. It's like, I hope I gained some skills, <laughs> but it was a waste of time. And uh, I called customer service, and of course nobody could help. And I returned the product yesterday, and the, the woman said, "Oh, it's a question of you know choosing the wrong holes." Uh, and sure, but um, again, it's. Uh, I think we need. I think I mentioned that also quite often. But this this um, quality, this this trait of uh, discernment. We have to discern in our life when we're putting those pieces together what is of value to our life and what isn't uh, i don't find any value in assembling something that doesn't you know doesn't fit together uh, for whatever reason um, it's beyond the point it's like um, what am I doing and I, and i was um, i don't know it 's like um, There's an expression in French which is quite funny. It doesn't translate culturally speaking, but we say in French, on pedale dans la choucroute. You're pedaling, like pedaling a bike, into the sauerkraut. And French people understand very well. It's like we're spinning our wheels. We're not going anywhere. And for four hours, you know, between last Saturday and two days ago, I I was pedale dans la choucroute. I wasn't going anywhere and this made me reflect, you know, during the week because of the topic of the, of the show, what's the similarity, what's the, the connection between assembling furniture that doesn't fit, at least in my perspective, and assembling the pieces of the puzzle in my life? Is there anything that I'm doing that I'm not supposed to do? I think it's the same thing. If we, if we do something, go into a direction that is not the right one, hopefully we get feedback Sooner the better, and I guess after four hours would be good. But, um, that has happened to me too. I mean, I can't think of anything, um, right now, but going into the wrong direction and nothing works. And every kind of feedback, pieces of feedback you're getting tells you that it's not working. And sometimes it's the wrong direction, and sometimes it's because you have to try harder. And it's not, again, it's not easy to, distinguish uh, here. So, you know, I was asking this week, you know, what about those pieces of my puzzle in my life? Do I need a manual? Do I need an assembly guide? Hopefully not an IKEA one. I had another piece of furniture, I think one came from China, and uh, it had no written instructions but pictures. And the pictures were much, much more explicit than Ikea's uh, instructions. And Ikea's instructions are just very, very minimal. I mean, I know they're supposed to go worldwide, I guess, to people who don't speak any language. But uh, in the end, I think they're they're doing more damage than anything else. And uh, I assembled also another piece, a uh, printer stand. I think the the manufacturer might be American, and in this case, I add pictures and words. And I'm saying this because it's interesting, also, it tends to be cultural, you know, the amount of um, information you give to people when it comes to directions. It's very, um, it's very cultural, um, culturally based. So it's, you know, a question of, again, of uh, assembling the, the pieces of our life's puzzle. How do we do that? What do we investigate? How much of a direction do we need? And I agree, we need directions, at least from our, what I would call our spiritual guides, and also from the people around us, in case, in case uh, when we need feedback about um, things that may not be working in our lives. So that's that's my point. Uh, it's been a very um, Good learning experience. I hope that by the time we meet next week, all the furniture here in the room where I'm sitting uh, will be assembled. I truly totally hope so. I will, I will cross my fingers. But um, I will keep you posted. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, I wish you a wonderful week. And I look forward to seeing you uh, in about seven days.
1: Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again.